and now I'm going to start streaming. And let me come over here to Facebook and make sure that it's streaming. And we're going live on Facebook. Now? In three, two, we are live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to our live event. It's very exciting tonight. Um, we are very honored and lucky to have Mr. Jim Penniston with us. And hopefully you'll find out some more details about his exciting experiences and disturbing in a way. So a quick rundown. Around 3 a.m. on December the 26th in 1980, a security patrol near the east gate of Aria of Wood Woodbridge saw lights that were apparently descending into the nearby Rendlesham Forest. One of the first on the scene was then Staff Sergeant Jim Penniston, who was the head of the security detail. At the end is the end of Christmas, so it was kind of quiet and things were going on Christmassy. So what followed from all of his experiences within the forest has now become like the English Roswell and it's become pretty famous and intriguing as, as I'm seeing it. I mean, I've, I grew up with this stuff and um, I've known about this experience for a long time, but I'm thrilled to be able to meet Jim face to face. If I could get all of the faces on here at the same time, it would be brilliant. Um, Face to almost face. <laughs> so um, I'd like to welcome Jim to the Ancient Aliens Worldwide live event. And thank you very much for joining us, Jim. Thank you uh, for having me. Uh, this is like a lot of fun. <laughs> like we're going to have a lot of fun here. I don't know. Usually it's, it's not so serious. It's not like the other stuff that you do. I know. I get too serious, so you're going to have to stop me. <laughs> yeah. You do. Just like, uh, you know, uh, I, I usually start a conference out by telling everybody, uh, you know, let's show of hands about Rendlesham. Who knows about it? Of course, everybody's there to hear about Rendlesham. So, you know, they raise their hand. And I said, okay, everything you know about is not true. Everything you think you know is not true. I says, it's all been distorted for 30 years. And they just, I mean, I just watch people go, oh, how can that be? Well, production companies... People that wish they were there, <laughs> newspapers, yeah. I mean, uh, hearsay, uh, and wishful thinking, I think, is a lot of it. Yeah, I can well believe that. Yeah, so well don't ever take anything in the media as, as absolute. It's pretty bad, actually. No. <laughs> now, we're all, we're all pretty researchy in this area here. We all we, we okay. keep questions after questions. And, I mean, taboo, I'm a military kid. Tracy's a military kid, an ex-service person. So, you know, okay. there's Leo, no going on. My dad's retired Air Force, was retired Air Force, so. That, yeah. You know what? That's that's the best branch of the service. Hey, I was, no. <laughs> I'm an I Army was, veteran, so there you go. Hey, no. <laughs> I, lived, I, lived, I lived at RAF, RAF West Raynham. Actually, it was RAF <laughs> USAF Skullthorpe. Yeah. Around the time that this happened to you, we were an hour and a half away from you, and so interesting. Yeah, I I also uh, you know I spent some time at RAF Upwood and uh, El uh, Alcumbury. I was stationed there at RAF Alcumbury, and that's a little closer to where you're at. Where are you at Banbury or someplace? Me? Yeah. I was at West West Raynham. I was in Norfolk. It was just up the coast a bit from you. Oh, that must be a World War Two base or something. Huh? 
Actually, it was. It was. And it's, it's not yeah. far from Milton Hall, Lake and Heath. It's on that same stretch all the way through that, that area. Yeah. It's at the end with, it, with the long forgotten ones. My, my first question to you is, mm -hmm. um, I understood that there were like missiles and nukes that all got switched off on the base. But no, not, not true. I only ever heard that once. Yeah, that's just somebody made that up. Uh, no, there's no missiles at the base. Okay. I didn't think. I didn't. I'll tell you so. what happened. I'll tell you what happened. We did a documentary. And Monroe Neville Susser. I'm going to drop rank on a lot of these people, but uh, Monroe. Uh, <laughs> he was on the third night, uh, second and third night. He was investigating the first night, and uh, what the production company in London did is they uh, they asked him about that about shooting lights down into areas like, and they cut it and edited it to the point where it sounded like he said, oh yeah, there was beams of light going down the WSA. It's a lie. It, they, just the way they cut it and edited the- Wow. I know, and uh, uh, if you even Chuck Halt, you'll hear him say, well, it's sort of possible, you know, maybe. He's not, he never confirmed it because it didn't happen that way. I can't, right. and I'm going, I wasn't there. I'm going by what Sergeant Neville said, uh, Colonel Conrad, the base commander, you know, I'm going by what the, I was told by them. So uh, I, I, I tell you what, confidence is high that Monroe Nevels knows exactly what happened out there. I believe that too. Yeah. He it's kept notes. I mean, he, he was out there uh, by Colonel Conrad's orders uh, the following morning, you know, after we came in uh, to, uh, you know, investigate the landing site. And he went out there, you know, his stuff and gear, and uh, he investigated, came back in around, I was out there all day with Lieutenant England, came back in uh, maybe at seven at night to the Woodbridge Officers Club, reports back to Colonel Conrad, all the wing officers were there, including Colonel Halt, and Colonel Halt wanted to go back out with him when he asked to go out with him. That's how this happened. It does nothing like you think happened. <laughs> No, no, that's what we figured. We figured yeah, that. Yeah, uh, and but I'll tell you what. I put in the Rendlesham Enigma book. I do put in. Monroe uh, Nevels has a full chapter, and it's really good. Uh, I mean, it, he is. He's really detailed. He's a, he's a former. Uh, well, if there is such a thing, a Marine. He was prior service, and he kept good notes of that. And. Uh, it's 90% the same as Halt, except Halt didn't even know he was out there the morning after we came in. I mean, there's certain things that Halt wasn't privy to because he was only, you know, the base deputy base commander. And uh, he apparently he didn't know what the base commander was telling Monroe Nevels. Huh. So, but, but we did put Colonel Halt's version uh, in the book, and it's 90% the same as, you know, Monroe Nevels. He just got so, the date a bit wonky. Well, he got that. He's got quite a, you know, several things wrong. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I mean, the beams of light were not pinpointing. They weren't directly in front of him, according to Monroe Nevels. Uh, they were a uh, good, you know, 100 yards away, 50 yards away. Huh. And it was, yeah. Uh, but there's there's a lot of, you know, confirmation by both of them. They were together. I mean, no eyewitness sees anything the same as the person, you know. Yeah, they're, they're, diff they're just different. So they're so minor. That's why I said 90% is correct. Right. 
Did I, did I address that question? I don't know if I did. Oh, you did. You did. I've, I've, awesome. often, I've, often, I've often wondered what... Um, because usually the when the American forces are on an English base and Woodbridge and Brentwaters, because Brentwaters is next door, really, isn't it? It's just the, the forest is the so main operating base. The Brentwaters right. was, yeah. And so, were there no English military there at all? Usually, there is a small amount of them, isn't there? No, one. you had the whole thing. One, one. Yeah, yeah. What would they call him? A squadron leader or something like that? Yeah. He was a he's a figurehead. He didn't do nothing. Right. He's at office. Yeah, we had, by I don't know by law or something over there by the status yes. forces agreement, we had to have a, one British officer. And I think it was a what do they call it, a squadron commander? I think that's what they call a him. Squadron leader. Yeah, squadron leader. And uh, yeah. he had no, you know, authority or function. I mean, right. He's just there to have the stones outside his office painted. Yeah, light. we leased the base, uh, you know, for ninety nine years. It was a U.S. base. Big, no doubt about that. Everything that happened there is for our interest. The United States. Right. right. Interesting. I mean, Lake and Heath and Milden Hall are the same, but I thought that they were just purely USAF. I didn't think that they were English as well. No, they're they're US. Well, are they called USAF or are they called RAF? Did they well, change that? They're RAF bases. We lease them. But, right. uh, you know, the operational you know, command and control is all the United States Air Force. I mean, the United States Air Force don't get told to do anything by another Air Force. Yeah, <laughs> they don't work that way. Yeah. You know, uh, it's part of it's part of the uh, Cold War effort. That's what it was. I mean, the, those leases. I think I don't know. They've charged for it. I think the Brits just said, "Yeah, yeah, you stay here for a while, so the Germans don't come back." Or something. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, you know, for us, the United States, you know, it was a nice aircraft carrier. Britain was. We had all these air bases on it. We could launch our missions from there. It was pretty nice, actually. That's true, and you had the best yeah. clubs. <laughs> yeah, we had yeah, we had great pubs, yeah, pubs and a lot of and decent food. Not everybody liked the food, yeah, but, but no, they, it, it, it's yeah. uh, it's it, the main operating base is RAF Bentwaters, and that was three miles as the crow flies from Woodbridge. We had six squadrons of A10s there. We had ten thousand people total, uh, active duty and dependents. Uh, on Woodbridge, we only had two squadrons of A10s. That was it. Uh, so there wasn't really nothing operational at Woodbridge too much. I mean, they had limited flying, but that was about it. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Who else saw it? I mean, did anybody else see the same thing that you did? I mean, I know that there's corroborating stories and everything. Nobody else touched it either, did they? Not as far as I know. Uh, no one touched it besides me. I, I, I don't think it was a good idea to ever touch it again. I mean, uh, no. people that people that actually, uh, uh, like when I came back into Central Security Control that morning on Wood, uh, Bentwaters, uh, I met Sergeant Chandler, and Sergeant Chandler was the on-duty flight chief for Bentwaters. He had to come and take my place at Woodbridge because I was the flight chief at Woodbridge. And so when I left that base, I had to get replaced, and he came over and replaced me. And he stayed at Eastgate, and he, when I said, seen him, I said, you wouldn't believe all that stuff that happened to last night. And he says, well, I, I seen it all. He said, I was at Eastgate. Uh -huh. so, that was the other cool. thing, the other thing that people don't know, and Rendlesham, I mean, all this, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit there and plug the book every second, but I'm going to tell you all the new things that are in the book. 
Okay. Um, one is that even though I was out there in the forest, I was making radio transmissions in my IB interbase radio, uh, and I couldn't receive nobody. I still made my transmissions and central security control started starting coffee, the central of uh, the uh, senior controller. They heard everything. They heard everything I was saying. God didn't know that, did you? <laughs> The other, the other thing is, we have reel to reels. They used to have T reel to reels. I don't know if right. your audience. Uh, oh yeah. Probably, <laughs> you know. And they were at the wing command post. They'd run for seventy-two hours. And what they would do is tape the entire uh, radio nets for fire department, security, police, you know, operations, air ops, and so it was all taped. So everything that was was taped by the wing command post. Uh, also, the detail that I gave on the radio, and believe me, I was just chattering away. Um, when I got back in with my notebook with the times and dates and all that kind of stuff uh, and observations, uh, I went in, I was told to report into the control center and write the 1569. What they have done is a blotter enter is a short entry that goes in and says what happens chronologically during the shift. Then they'll say C1569 on it. And 1569 is, it can be a, you know, one page, it can be three pages, four pages, whatever. And uh, it's always typed, uh, at least ours were. And uh, it tells exactly what happened. That 1569, when I went in with my, after converting, you know, civilian time to military time for the report, I, uh, I said, Sergeant Coffee, I'm ready to write to 1569. He hands me the 1569. And I look at it and he says, read it. And he says, if there's any mistakes, let me know. I read the whole things. And that's when I found out he heard everything on the radio because he had wow. everything correct. Yeah. So next Interesting. question. Interesting. Tracy, whoever. Oh, um, well, I wanted to ask, um, you know, I lived all across the country and stuff, you know, like dad relocating even up in Alaska and stuff. And I can tell you that a lot of times we actually saw some very unusual things. Um, my dad was um, a EOD mm -hmm. and uh, so he was like on the flight line. And so um, I was just wondering, I know that there was probably an interest for whatever was occurring per se for TAC and SAC bases. Why do you think that um, there was an interest for this craft to come and land? Do you have any idea or just, it just was happenstance? I can guess. I don't know. Just guess, yeah. Well, <laughs> guess, I think it's uh, the sole purpose was to deliver the binary. Well, what did it feel like? When you actually received the message, uh, it, it felt know. like metal. You know, what, what okay. felt? The the craft or the message? The, cra the craft and also any like emotions or sensations that you felt. Oh, like. I, I ran I ran a full gambit emotions uh, of uh, from anger to fascination to fear to everything uh, to I think calm. I would have too. <laughs> uh, it depended on, I know one thing, the less activity that finally, the activity of the craft started stopping and it was, it looked inert. Uh, I got more, I got more calmer because nothing was happening to me. Nothing was dangerous. Okay. 
and I felt better that way. As far as the physical effect of it, you know, when you get inside the first, the 15 feet around the craft itself, uh, that's what I call the sphere of influence. Uh, because once I entered that area, everything changed as far as, uh, you know, uh, normalcy, such as uh, it was completely quiet. It was silent. Uh, I found my movements labored. Uh, it was like walking through a pool of waist high water, but it eventually got better. Uh, it was uh, static electricity all over my face, skin and hair. Uh, that was constant. That never did go away. Um, but it got went a lot. It got a lot less prominent. Or maybe I got used to it. I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. I could have just got used to the static electricity. I don't know. But when I touched the craft, uh, there was a couple times I did. Uh, uh, the first time is I, I couldn't figure out is after the globular light stopped in it. Uh, and it formed, I, I could still see white light coming out from the bottom of it. And then I looked under there and all I could see is white light coming down. And then I could see the impressions in the ground from what the light, well, light don't do that. Uh, but it was, so it was somehow fixed above the forest floor. And so I pushed it. And it's for, if you had a car out there and you pushed a car, it would move a what a half inch, an inch? right? Okay, Docks. this was yeah. <laughs> this was this was solid. It didn't move at all. <clears throat> then I started looking for things that mattered. I mean, uh, first of all, I couldn't figure out how it fit in such a tight, you know, clearing. It was so I pasted it off. It was like nine feet in a triangular. Uh, it was about six seven feet high. Uh, I'm going. I don't have any measuring devices. I'm using my body. Okay, my. My, my, my strides and things like that. I'm looking for things that every aircraft has. Um, well, uh, usually they have riveting. This was completely uh, free of that, it was smooth. It had no Arions, it had no flaps, it had no uh, uh, intake, it had no uh, exhaust. Uh, uh, it was a uh, a literally a, a flying brick. I mean, there's no way it could fly. <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect description. Wow. The Enigma. Well, that's, there you go. <laughs> it's just, there's just no way it could fly. And, but the fact is, and, and here's my situation. Well, it's here. Yeah. And I'm going, I'm going back with Sergeant Stephens told me back to the skate and he said, he's seen a land. I'm like, how in the hell did it land here? I mean, the forest canopy, and I, you know, and, and Mandy, you're probably real familiar with this. In, in Norfolk, those, I don't know what kind of, what are they, Corsica pines, I think, or something like that? They're uh, very skinny pine trees all the way up, maybe 60, 70 feet. And then they yeah. have you know, a lot more branches and stuff as uh, toward the tops. And uh, in that, in Rendlesham at that time, uh, the, the forest, forestry service was planting the trees. They, they treat them like a crop. They they let them grow for 15 years and then they cut certain regions and, you know, use it and replant. Anyway, the forest was so thick. Uh, it was, it was black. I mean, you could not see no light or anything like that. That's why. And the other thing is I never used my flashlight out there. I had all the light I, from underneath that craft. I mean, I never used the flashlight at all. Wow. 
if, if you could get like just regular sized humans into that craft, how many do you think would fit in? Uh, part of a one. I mean, it was small. It was, small. Um, it was uh, I, you know, I looked, I looked for the crew compartments and there's no doors or windows or anything like that. And, uh, they had a, a dorsal fin that came out of the back, like the back of our aircraft, you know, where the Ariane's are at. It has something like that. But that still only went up about, uh, you know, seven feet, you know, total. And uh, this just wasn't big enough to have any human uh, pilot at all. So it would have to have like the size of like a six-year-old. Well, no, I never, I tell you what, I got impressions and impressions are communications. That's what I've determined myself throughout looking back in hindsight. So all the impressions I got at that time, I'm going to take it as communication. And uh, I never once thought that it was uh, manned at all. Uh, it was unmanned. Uh, right. I seem to know that. Uh, well, besides what I was seeing, too, there was no way a man would fit in there. Uh, then uh, there's going to be more impressions as you answer, as you ask more questions uh, about different impressions of different things. So, and one of them was uh, uh, one term I never used because it never came to mind was UFO. Right. So, extraterrestrial never came to mind. What did you think at the time then? I mean, well, I knew it wasn't ours. Right. I knew I knew it wasn't James Book aircraft. I knew it wasn't right. Russian. I knew it wasn't, you know, China. We just didn't, you know, the most technical air force in the world is the United States Air Force, period. There's no other air force as technical and advanced as the United States Air Force, then and now. And uh, just to give you a little background on how I know that this was not a prototype or something like that, is my previous assignment I had when I was an airman uh, was at uh, Omaha, Nebraska. I worked for SAC. It was SAC headquarters, actually. Right. And I was with the SAC elite guard. It was uh, 80 of us that would provide security for the SAC command post, which was five levels down underground. And we also provide bodyguard support for the 36 general officers over there, plus the president, plus the Congress, or whenever they come in, or whatever, things like that. But the other thing we did is additional duty. Uh, is that we'd have to clear the base or the, the building 500. That's for SAC headquarters. That's the above ground part. We have to clear the base theater for like classified briefings uh, they would have on uh, research and development, things like that. So we clear it out and then we'd have to stand guard at all the uh, entrances to make sure no one monitors. And of course, you being the sentry, uh, <laughs> you hear all the advanced stuff you see the slides you see the models and there they had a 50-year projection on uh research and development for uh, future aircraft there was nothing nothing like this wow nothing and you know what and uh any craft they have out today uh, the most advanced even the f-35 it, it's they all have airplane things they all have intakes they all have exhaust so ultimately Maybe a craft from the future, then. Uh, that was an impression. That was my impression of time because it, that they were not. They were us. I, yeah. I was it, thinking it was, that too because of just the um, 
the the icons, the uh, what they people called the hieroglyphic uh, symbols on the sign. It just seemed like it was like an advancement on other symbols that we currently use. You know what I mean? But that, oh, yeah, it, it, very good point. Yeah. that is an excellent point, and we've already looked at it. That is an excellent point. That's one of the things that also supports the um, theory of you know uh, future. Uh, we don't use the word current time travel. That's that's Hollywood. Okay, yeah. It's, inter, it's yeah, it's interdimensional travel. That is exactly. time. That is time travel. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so we looked at that, and it, for example, why would it have a dorsal fin like our airplanes? Why would it have that? Why would the glyphs be on it attached to the outside of it, like we identify our aircrafts with numbers and symbols? Why would they do that? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just too much similarity. Why would it be in English to binary? Right. Well, because you, I, one of my questions was, and you answered it just perfectly. I was going to ask you when you were experiencing that, was did you feel like it was a possible dimensional shift? You just answered that. Yes, you, uh, that's probably how you're, you were interpreting it. That yeah, it yeah. seems to be, you know, because uh, it probably felt like time stood still, really. Oh, time was, I thought time, it was outside the sphere of influence, outside of where I was at. I thought it's time was frozen. I thought time was frozen. I mean, I have Burroughs over here, 25 feet to my right rear, and he's motionless. So I don't know if he's scared to death or just wasn't moving. Right. But then I turn around and I look at Kabanzak, where I set the entry control point up because I thought originally it was going to be an aircraft crash. Uh, for the first responders to go to. And I look, and he's not moving. I'm like, okay, I'm the only one moving down here? I says, well, maybe it must be they're, they're, they're lost. I mean, uh, they're, I don't know. I, might, I was thinking my time might have been numbered, you know, how much time I had. And, you know, I had shot all my film. Uh, I, uh, that's why I wrote such detailed notes down, because I figured uh, – uh, there was a good chance I wasn't going to survive it. So um, I figured that the more notes I could get down because I'm still waiting for my backup team. It didn't come yet. And uh, I figured the command element would have something to sit there and look at and make decisions with. That was my job at that point. I figured, hell, if I'm going to make it, I might as well do my job. And uh, uh I know it sounds like a weird thing to say, but it's, what are you going to do? Okay, you're not going to make it. Okay, well, at least do your job. You know, that's not weird. That, that's, okay. that's, yeah. that, that's a military uh, uh, yeah. attitude right there. <laughs> Just uh, do the job until you can't do it anymore. <laughs> right, because it's obvious there's a problem because I got one guy frozen and another guy frozen back here. I mean, but it's one of the theories of the Rendlesham Forest Research Team, which started really small back in 2010. Um, and it progressed with a lot more since then, a lot more people and scientists and things. Uh, one of the theories on that is, uh, 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 oh my God, I'm going to have a brain. I just, what was I talking about? Oh, the theories. Yeah, theory. It's a theory. I don't know which one is it. <laughs> you're talking about the. You're talking about oh, the time you know what? I'm going to be 66 years old this year, and. Uh, Every once in a while, I'm talking. They go, oh, "What are they talking about?" 
Do you know what it was, Jim? It was whoever it was in that craft stole a bit of the brain from your future. Oh, that would be a nice <laughs> way to put it, I guess, huh? But no, you were, you, what you were talking, talking about, about was the time displacement. They had a theory about yes. the time displacement. Oh, yeah, the time displacement. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, what what they think happened, and this is not just me. I mean, the CIA is asking me about it as four years ago about it. Uh, they think what happened is the sphere of influence. Either the craft was trying to adjust to this our dimension. Mm -hmm. or whatever, but it was different inside there. And so the outside viewer, let's say for Cabanzac, Burroughs, and also for Chandler, because he never seen that much time, like the 40 minutes around the craft stuff. He didn't even see that. Uh, he's seen the craft, but he didn't see me like 40 minutes out there, you know? And um, uh, those guys, for them, it was instantaneous. And we think the point, it was uh, where we... Uh, where it differs is when we we hit the ground when the, we had a bright light that that came uh, 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 from behind the berm, and we hit the ground. Well, Burles describes the same thing, and he got up and I got up, but he wasn't moving, so it had to be instantaneous. We figured whatever happened inside that sphere of influence. Now, did you have uh, a, a watch or anything in there that continued to move and tick? to show afterwards no. that you had been there for that amount of time? No, I didn't find that out until uh, I had, yeah, I had an electronic watch, you know, battery. The, uh, I got back to CSC and when I was thinking about writing my report, you know, my watch, it's 40, the clocks are 45, uh, 40 minutes off. And I said, what the hell happened? I said, geez, I bet maybe electricity out there, that stuff, maybe it stopped it, you know? That's what I thought. Uh, that's what I rationalized it anyway. Uh, do I know it for sure? No, but I think it's reasonable to say that. Well, I think the CIA theory is, is pretty sound because I think what happened was you were outside of linear time. So everybody in linear time froze, and for you, time was still going. It was no longer a constant. So okay, you know, that's exactly what, uh, uh, what the CIA said, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, when we, I had, a, uh, I have a chapter on that. It's called the Rockford Colloquium in there, in the uh, Enigma book, and it is a two-day meeting with my attorney because I didn't go there alone. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah, I had my attorney with me, and of course the person said they were former CIA. So I don't know what that means. Were they? Are they ever? I don't. I was going to say, are they ever former? Yeah, why? Yeah, why does he want to have a two-day meeting? That's he set it up. So uh, he flew in from I don't know where in the United States and brought my attorney up from Mississippi, and I'm you know located in Northern Illinois, so uh, you know uh, that's the two days we. Uh, um, there was some fascinating conversation there with him, and uh, all that. Uh, See, there's something in the book we talk about with with uh, it was actually uh, Kick Green was the person. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard of him. He was part of the original SRI project back in '69 with Sarfati and all those guys. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, he was an analyst for the CIA. Uh, he's also a doctor now, a neural doctor or something like that. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't want. I could go. I could talk about the whole chapter for the next two hours. I'm sorry. I can bet. <laughs> I put in the chat on uh, Ancient Aliens Worldwide. I put a link to your Amazon link for um, both the book that you had co-written before and the Enigma book, so people can see well, that. The book before is half half what's wrong, maybe sixty percent. Okay, right. uh, not Nick's fault either, by the way. Right. I don't want to blame Nick for that. Uh, the publishing house rushed stuff and uh, my changes. I had eighty-five or ninety pages that weren't did not go in there uh, because wow. I missed some deadlines. And then Monroe Neville's his whole chapter, uh, not Monroe Neville's, but uh, Gary Osmer, my co-author to the Enigma book, he had fifty pages didn't go in there. And Nick oh, says, wow. yeah, Nick says, well, that's 150 pages. And uh, Nick says, what you should do is write your own book. That was, you know, five years ago. And I says, okay, we're going to write the definitive book. We're, I'm not going to hide nothing. I'm not going to hold nothing back. I'm going to. But what we did is the book's got 702 pages. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay? It's a big book. It looks like a Sears catalog. If anybody remembers Sears catalog, I'm dating myself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I do. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, sorry. I got your ebook, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. The ebook, well, yeah, that's a lot better. It's not that's as a... it's not as heavy to lift, but it's still got a lot of content. <laughs> of those 702 pages, though, we said what we don't want to have another book that's been put out like all these other UFO books or all these other books on uh, Rendlesham and that you know a bunch of people talking and saying this happened and they, you don't have no evidence. So Gary, my co-author, uh, he did the work on this. Uh, what he did is uh, he, we have endnotes, chapter endnotes in this book. They total 300 pages of that 702. And that is, don't take my word for what I'm saying. Go ahead and we have it one level, two level, three level, four levels, sometimes seven levels deep on backing up what's being said. I mean, we don't want to, and, and the reason for that is I'm not trying to convince anybody about Rendlesham, uh, but I want to inform you to a point where you have the facts where you can make your own decision. You can say, oh, that was BS, or that's true, or whatever. I don't care. But I wanted you to have the, the reader to have the information to make their own decision. And the other part we'd like to have is more books written, not by us, but hopefully they, they create more research into this and where they can do right. more. For example, Jack Safari, Dr. Jack Safari, who's a theoretical physicist, part of the original SRI team, uh, there's a direct correlation with uh, the propulsion of the uh, Tic Tac and yes. Reynoldson. So he, he has videos out on I'm not even going to try to talk at his level. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, he's a physicist. I mean, I can, I'm like general math. You, know, I, well, yeah. you mentioned a correlation. Another one of my questions was, and um, I don't know, you know, if the jury was out on this, but do you think there was also correlation with the Belgian flap thing that was going on too, where all these... The craft were spotted, and it was so um, like uh, publicized by the uh, by the Belgian um, military and stuff. You got a lot of good questions. Uh, in 2007, we had a national press club. Uh, matter of fact, we we're doing. Uh, I know what I saw 
the uh, with um, uh, James. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna forget his last name. It's terrible. James Fox. I know what I saw. Oh, yes. Documentary, and yes. we were out there two weeks. There's 14 of us from around the world. Uh, now you know from France and Belgium and everybody else. And so it gave us the opportunity uh, because we're going to talk to the press club. Uh, like General DeBauer, who I, is a wonderful man. Uh, I got to have lots of breakfasts with him, some lunches, and we talked about that very subject and the correlation. And yes, uh, to put for the short answer is yes, there is correlation on some things, and no, there isn't on others. So <laughs> that's that's what we came up with. Uh, it wasn't like cut and dry. No, they're definitely related. I mean, we we didn't come to that conclusion. Okay. But to, but to Bauer, I think he might have a book on it. If he does, and hopefully it's not just in French or whatever or Belgian. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh, uh, I think he does have a book out. If not, he's done several interviews, and that, he is definitely a. Uh, I believe in that uh, incident. By the way, the other incident that, that happened at the time. And uh, because we've seen the nose cam footage, which you guys have never seen, is the um, uh, the Iranian one with General Jafari. Jafari. Yeah, that's a that's an actual. And there's also another one that I mean, I'm talking about. That's the 14 of us were all talking and uh, going over these cases, and none of us could explain what happened at these events. None of us. And we had the director of NASA for uh, France there. And I mean, we had some experts, there's no doubt about it. And uh, and we just don't know, we don't know what this, and there's another one down in um, uh, uh, Peru. We can't explain either, but these are all military contacts, so. Well, I, I just wanna say that I saw that same craft over Plattsburgh Air Force Base. <laughs> so it, the, the same shape with the lights, uh, I mean, I saw, weird weird stuff so i mean i'm a i'm a believer in there that. there is a uh what we found that was the only thing that was a little different at different sightings there are more besides just uh, uh yours uh Ooh. it was the size it was actually the size of the, the craft changed okay so it was a bigger craft <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, uh, but there was other ones that uh, we can't explain oh. either. You got to play the game of my craft was bigger than yours. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's all relative. I mean, I've seen all sorts of different shapes. Size, size is relative. I mean, Jim Jim right. understands that being in the Air Force and Tracy as well, because <clears throat> depending on your point of view, when you look at stuff optically in the air, it seems to be bigger some places than others, like the moon does when it's lower to the to the atmosphere because your eyes see the horizon. When you don't and you move up, the moon seems smaller. But in fact, if you draw a, a paper and draw the moon and then move it up here, when it's up here, it's the exact same size. Your brain perceives it as different. So altitude yeah. changes your perception of size. It's just funny, though. It makes me laugh. My it, is, it is funny, though. My shit's bigger than yours. <laughs> oh, I see your Swartz is as big as mine. <laughs> okay, you're not going to you're not going to offend me or nothing like that. So you can ask any question you want. You can be, can be well, a negative. Let me ask one you one. Uh, I don't uh, care. Question: When you were when you were in the area around the craft, uh, in that zone, did you feel a difference in temperature at all, or was it exactly the same ambient temperature as it was before the craft was there? No, I was warm, but I don't know if that was because of. 
Adrenaline? I don't know. If, yeah, I know that. I know what I. Uh, I know what was different is that the air temperature was 32 degrees. That's the record of that. Yeah. Um, the ground temperature was a little softer. It was 31 or 30 degrees. We know that from because we had a team from Langley come out uh, immediately after, and they cored on the area off. Uh, has that been released publicly? Uh, uh, well, I don't think so. I know that, but I don't know if that was released publicly or not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so the craft was warm to touch, and for for decades, I, I thought, well, I mean, warm, like I felt like fifty degrees, and the air temperature is thirty-two, uh, but warm for out in the middle of a nowhere, in the middle of a forest, in the middle of winter, right. uh, and then uh, you know when we started writing this chapter in the last. Uh, three four years with uh, uh, Monroe Nevels, and I find out, and I find, and Sorry. I find out what happens. What I found out what happened uh, with Monroe Nevels when he had been ordered out there by Colonel Conrad the following morning when I came back in. Uh, the radiation, the beta, and specifically beta radiation directly under the craft, the actual landing area. Uh, was 100 times background beta. So Monroe told me, he says, Jim, I hate to tell you this, man. He says, that was warm. He says, not because it was like just from traveling somewhere. <laughs> he says, it was warm because it's radioactive. So I said, oh, that's good. No, that's good news. That's good news. Yeah. <laughs> well, I figured that was, that was like three decades ago. Yeah, it was three decades ago, and I'm in good health. I thought, oh, okay. Well, apparently, it didn't really affect me. So, uh, well, you had know. kids since then, right? So, you had kids right. since then, or before then? You're broken up. I'm. You didn't have you then. Uh, both of you broke up. We're talking at the same oh. time. So, you had kids before the event or after? Uh, I had two girls before the event and one after. Okay. 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 So if you're exposed to beta, you should be able to produce children. Right. I guess I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't know. Apparently, it doesn't matter. Either that or some. She's the milkman's. I don't know. <laughs> that's a joke. I don't mean that. That's she's funny. not. That's funny. That was funny. Oh, uh, I didn't mean that. She, she'll kill. No, me. we have a family joke because my dad was always TDY. So. Yeah, well, and one it's of the same family joke. Family. We have the same one, Tracy. The same yeah. joke. Yep. I mean, it, it, we'll throw in different people, like the bread man. Oh, uh, <laughs> how about the, the how about the mailman? Yep. The newspaper boy, and then my the little brother was down on a rock. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just because we're deployed so much, you know. You never home. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, I wanted to ask too, do you think that the, in some way when you were checking out, because I did read, I did get to read some of your book before this, and um, do you think that there was some type of like consciousness that was waiting for you to touch it? Because uh, it, clearly it knew that you were around and it was waiting. So do you think that there was some awareness? Well, I was a lot of movement around it. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll tell you what, when I went back after, you know, I touched the glyphs uh, on the first uh, 360 around it. And, you know, I went from like a smooth, like glass feeling, but it wasn't glass, it was metal, but it felt that smooth. 
and it went from there to when I touched the uh, uh, glyphs, uh, they were like uh, sandpaper, like they're etched in the, uh, oh, wow. the outer part of the craft. So after I made that first 360, I, the thing that I really was curious about, I mean, uh, I had a list of things I was curious about, but I mean, uh, the one that drew me back was those glyphs. So I said, I'm gonna go back and give them more attention. I went back around and then the one above was the triangular one with the three right. other circles. And that was dominant because the other ones were stretched out. The other five were like three feet, four feet you know, wide in a row. And so I felt compelled, you know, to touch that one because that had a lot more of that etched material on it and stuff, I guess. And uh, when I did that, I had complete bright white light. I mean, I couldn't see anything. I never experienced anything like that. I'm using the term light because I, I, don't, I, know, I, don't, I don't know the technology. And I know what I know it wasn't light, uh, even though it looked like light. And I'll tell you in a second. Uh, and that's when I had touched it. And then I was seeing the ones and zeros. And I said, oh, my God. I was, like, freaked out. And I started gaining my senses back again. And all I did was lift my hand off. And then I have, remember how dark it is out there, like I told you. Then I had my complete night vision. Well, that takes 30 or 45 minutes, maybe, with a, you know, the regain at the very minimum. And, but I had my night vision immediately. So it wasn't light. It was some kind of technology that I don't know what it is. Possibly plasma energy? Could yeah, be. I, I still, I don't know. Could, anything's <laughs> possible. I, 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 I don't know the answer to that. That's fascinating. That's so cool. <laughs> So when yeah, that, really was, that was when you touched the, the actual craft, you had, you had that sensation of light? Yeah. No, but, that was when I touched the triangular symbol. Oh, okay. And then, But then when you let go of it, it, it then you said you, got, you instantly had your night vision back. Maybe it was something that was flashed like third eye, like psychic. I don't know. We've had so many theories on it. That was one of them that, that we theorized. Uh, that's why we knew it wasn't light. Light. Right, mean, because it would have affected right. your pupils, and that would have changed how quickly you returned. Yeah, there have been physical changes to that where you just can't adapt, yeah. you know, back again right away. And we, so that's a that's a clear uh, that's a theory that we have. Uh, you're not the first one who brought that up. Right. I mean, uh, but it's a good it's a good theory. Um, uh, maybe the you know, it was just direct communication, uh, you know, through the that's uh, mind's eye or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Uh, exactly. Yeah. We, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things I don't know about Rendlesham. I mean, right? <laughs> if you're looking for, well, you here's the way it is as far as questions. Either I know the answer, I don't know the answer, or I wish I knew the answer. And I wish I knew the answer is probably the biggest area that's always coming up for. I, I wish I knew the answer. I haven't. I haven't looked. But is there are there ley lines in that area? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm pretty sure there is because uh, we. That's part of the team's. Uh, wasn't team. Maybe it was Gary Osborne. I think it was Gary Osborne that that actually did the study on that. And uh, yes, I'll say yes to that. And he can correct me if I'm wrong later. 
but I'm pretty sure that's what the, he did the research on it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it like that because I really don't want to go into his, his stuff. We're writing a book too. Don't think that book one means it's not the, it, the first one isn't definitive. It is. Book two is strictly on the binary code and the code within the code. So that's what Gary's writing. That has nothing to do with the actual incident itself. I mean, other than that's where it came from. The so. other question about the binary is that you said that it was funny that it was in English. So has anybody tried to translate it into, into a different language? Because I take it the binary is like universal. And so like Russian binary, is that, you know? I think they tried it with Russia, Russian. I think that, that did don't work. But that doesn't mean it doesn't work on another language. I don't know. Uh, that was the only one that was tested. Now you mentioned the binary itself. When you actually, you, you couldn't sleep, could you, the, when, when you were actually seeing that according yeah. to the book? I yeah, I, lo I, lo I love your screen name, by the way. <laughs> the grasshopper. I love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you actually wrote it down because you felt compelled to and you found a number of different pens that just stopped working would i imagine you built up a sense of frustration there at that point and did you feel a real sense of relief once it was on the paper yeah you read the book didn't you oh I okay did. yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah I, you know I, I, <laughs> there you go i get home you know, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm up most of the day, and around 11 o'clock that night, I gotta get to sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it's just because of the adrenaline, and oh man, there's, I'm traumatized. <laughs> so I said, I gotta get to sleep. But the, the 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 craziest thing happened is that I lay down as soon as I, when I shut my shut my eyes, the eyelids, you know, and I started. After a while, I started seeing this ones and zeros, and I said, "Wow, they're so I can write those down, or I can roll or something." I said, "No, it's Jim. You're losing it, man. This is bad." I said, "You're this is the beginning stages of so much trauma. You're going to have to go to the base hospital, and you know this is not going to go well because we're going to do." I tell him, "Okay, I had contact with a craft unknown origin the day before. I went home and I see ones and zeros. This is." You know, they would have pulled my clearance. They would have took my yeah. weapons card. Started separation from the Air Force. Uh, so I get up and I figure I'm not going to sleep anyway. So I can't. Uh, and so I make a pot of coffee because I'm not going to sleep anyway. Sit at the dining room table and it's down in Ipswich. And um, so I'm looking at my notes. I'm looking at, you know, the the glyphs, I'm looking at some of the other notes I put in there and I said, you know, I think I, you know, I think I can write these down. And I said, well, all right, I'm already crazy. I know that, you know, so, you know, I'm already to that level. And uh, <laughs> so I, I, the, the only paper I got obviously is my notebook I'm looking at and it's, it was about that thick, you know, and only, only a little bit it was used, but I flipped to the back part. And I started writing, you know, zero, one, zero, zero, one, 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 zero. By the way, those are right. And made an imprint then. <laughs> started writing them down. Started writing them down. 
And then I, when I, when I stopped, I was feeling better. I says, Oh, that works. Oh yeah. Because I was like really worried. And, uh, I just continued to do that. And like you said, uh, it was, I got actually when, you know, how those pens are, they clog up and they quit writing. Uh, I was like freaked out. And I says, okay, so I'm going through the, you know, everybody's got a pen box at the house, you know, and they pull a drawer open, there's full of pens and I'm trying to find what works. I find another one works. When I start writing them back down, I felt better again. And uh, I said, okay, so I just continued to do that and uh, until I couldn't see the ones and zeros anymore. And I felt great. And guess what? Even with a pot of coffee, I was tired. I wanted to go to, I wanted to, go to bed. And I did. I went to bed, I don't know, eight, ten hours. Uh, wow. slept in. Yeah. And uh, when I woke up, no ones and zeros. And I'm thinking, oh, well, thank God, Jim, you just dodged the biggest bullet career-wise, in, you know, for your career. Message you're gonna received. Be all, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> be all right. You're gonna be all right. So I'm pretty much ashamed of this. I'm not gonna tell anybody about this binary. <laughs> I'm not the ones and zeros. So I'm not gonna tell anything about that. I mean, that's me losing my, well, whatever. It was bad. And, uh, yeah, so uh, in the way it comes about with the binary is it still would have been secret today, by the way. Uh, but I went to a, I did a film shoot uh, in um, Phoenix uh, and with John Burroughs and Linda Bolton Howell. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when they had film. They didn't have it. It wasn't digitalized yet, was it? And they had a, they were, I was being interviewed and they were going to switch out the film. And... John asked me, he says, about a date. Oh, I don't know. I got the notebook here because I'm flipping through it. And I, I went back too far. And there's the ones and zeros. So, and Linda Bolton Howell looked at it. And John looked at it. And, goes, and Linda says, you know what that is? And I figured, oh, what the hell? It's 30-some years later. I might as well tell them about the episode I had at, you know, what happened. I mean, what difference does it make today? I'm not in the Air Force. And uh, she says, you know what that is? That's binary code. I says, binary code. And that's the first time I made a connection, binary code. Okay. Um, oh, wow. I'm a criminal, I'm a criminal justice guy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm a criminal justice guy. I don't know. I, mean, I know nothing about that. And I go, binary code. I says, oh, Linda. I says, wasn't that in the book that we, uh, I contributed to back in 95, you did? I says, in the hypnosis session, didn't it mention binary code? She says, yes, exactly. And I'm thinking, okay, I didn't even know what the hell that meant. It was in that book, and I read, and I don't know, hypnosis, that's, you know, La La Land stuff or something, you know? Wow. And uh, so I never paid any attention. So the binary code wouldn't have been out today if it wasn't for Linda Moulton Howe and John Burroughs. Huh. I, I would have still kept it. That's amazing. Hidden. And now there's going to be an entire book based on that as well. Right, Gary's Gary's going to try to get it in one book. Oh my God! I, I says, "Good luck." I don't know. Uh, I tell yeah. you what. Here's what I've been getting with Gary. Um, you know, I'm getting what updates I get on on his discoveries, and it's you know it has the coordinates in the code, but the the real code is within the code, within and what code. it points to and things like that. And uh, I kept getting the wow factor three, four times a week with them on our, cause we Skype all the time. <laughs> and after about 50 wows, uh, 
I'm like, uh, this has got to be by design. I said, this can't be by chance. He says, this isn't by chance. So that's why we wouldn't dare. You know, at first, we were going to write the books, have it in together, book two. But there's no way we could do 1,500 pages. I mean, who's going to read that? I'm not going to read it. Yeah. It's hard Sorry, enough. It's 702. We have people. Uh, we have people. Uh, um, grasshopper on seventh <laughs> readings. Seventh readings, and they're so, and they says it's just like reading it the first time. They're finding more information. So, how many total digits were there in the binary code? How many total the binary code digits were there? Did you count them? Uh, okay. Gary did that work on there because I didn't do really nothing with the binary myself. And um, uh, there were uh, six, uh, there were seven sets of, of coordinates in there, uh, you know, north, south, east, west, uh, and stuff. And um, of those seven, one was actually repeated twice. So there's really six. One at the beginning, which is an area off of uh, uh, south, uh, West off of uh, Ireland, in the middle of the ocean there, and uh, that Brazil. was also yeah, that would be Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's what uh, Ancient Aliens, uh, uh, the television series, called it, and uh, it's also repeated again, secondly, and uh -huh. uh, at the end, and uh, anyway, what Gary, I'll tell this, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know some of the things that Gary found, and I'll try to explain this as best I can. He's the expert. Uh, have you guys ever heard of the fine structure constant? Yes. Okay. That's in everything in the universe. It's in totally black right. holes. It's, okay. What well. it is, and, and I think Carl Sagan said it the best. Uh, <laughs> we as human beings operate six digits over. Okay. Decimal points over. Uh, everything, pretty much. Carl said, Hey, if we ever get a message from someone that did seven digits over, they're going to be a really intelligent race of people. Okay. The binary code, the fine structure count, uh, constant in there, goes over in the binary code 13 digits. Oh, wow. Yep. So it's like, well, we're past the real smart stuff. Okay. They're oh, yeah. Yeah. So this message is from somebody that is you know, uh, highly intelligent. I mean, not, uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. We've had all kinds of theories talking, you know, uh, discussions, what if discussions. And um, we said, uh, uh, you know, some of the things that, you know, is it a cat two? Is it a cat one civilization? Who knows? And what do we become? I don't know. Right. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh it's fascinating to talk about and uh, uh we, we we i don't know we we get into those stuff. i told gary what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and tape one of these conversations on what ifs <laughs> and i think we'll just label it what if you know because uh, they actually we 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 are searching for answers and uh you know well I'll leave it like that, but that was a good question. Thank you. Well, I like that <clears throat> that there's multiple sure. codes within codes um, because that shows, like you said, that shows intelligent design. It's like, um, you know, when, when you're saying, you know, with, with the six digits, 
that's where it, we get into you know the the fee number or the phi number, not pi, which is three six nine. The exactly, and that, that's exactly what that is because, like you said, we run on the sixth digit, so you have the three, and that's what Tesla uh, honed in on because that's the part, the part of nature, and the six is what everything runs on, and then the nine creates the infinity that sends it back around. Okay, and I know see, I'm, physics was my major in college. Oh, I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> Leonard, it's, I, I think I'm sitting there listening to Gary talk. Right. I mean, really, thank right? you very much. Yeah. Why didn't you jump in earlier? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying the to... producer of this show, not the, not the host, so I, I'm, I'm, I try not to, to talk as much, but I do have my own show. But I'm letting everybody else ask you the questions, but I couldn't that's, help myself. That's exactly right. That's the way Gary explained it to <laughs> And pi is part of it, and uh, the yeah. golden... The what golden ratio. Uh, Fibonacci. Oh, yeah. The Fibonacci That's... sequence. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, made a I video. don't want to go any farther because I, I don't want anybody to know how stupid I, I actually, am. I made a video <laughs> just, just oh, to explain smart, the, the uh, golden ratio <laughs> I, that I have. I actually created a video just to explain that to people. And they can watch it on YouTube. It's on my YouTube channel. Yeah. One of the hard things that Gary's finding is the way to put it in plain language yeah. uh, in the second book. I mean, that's one of the different. We, we, you know, we all, I mean, the Enigma book took five years. Right. I, for Jeff Sample, the, 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 the chapter of just being out in the, the forest, I went back to that over a six-month period. I went back to that 12, 15 times and started rewriting because I didn't have the right – it was so hard. I wanted the right words to express the feelings and my thoughts at the time, and that was really difficult to do for me. Uh, but – Gary uh, is running to sort of the same problem with keeping it as simple as he can well yeah, being it's actually informative. Really tough. I, I, I see what he's doing because I don't know if you've heard of the law of one, but um, I'm, I'm actually doing a show on that. And I, I've been trying to explain to everybody the scientific wording that is being used. And I've been doing it for almost two years and I still haven't finished the six books that were printed of the law of one. So I get where he's, what you guys are going through. It's really hard to take that language and then try to get it to where you can explain it to the lay person because it's just totally a completely crazy language. You know what I'd like to do, Leonard, is uh, afterwards you can email, get my email from uh, Mandy. And uh, I'd like to put you in contact with uh, uh, Gary Osborne. I would love to and talk to him. I think Absolutely. I think uh, maybe even do a podcast or something. I would love uh, to do that with him if he'd uh, be willing. Yes. Uh, well, uh, we have to break him away from him writing the book, but we'll, we'll do our best. I'm sure, you know what I mean? a, I'm sure we can fit a timeline in there somewhere, right? So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll, you and I will communicate after the show and yeah. um, see if he's willing, and then we can work on him and see if we can bring him on my podcast. And you. Yeah, right? because well. I think you can be beneficial to him. Because uh, uh, you you know what the same problem the problem is. Yep. It's trying to make it understandable for just a layman. Yeah. So, and uh, Leo's really good at that too. Yeah, I've, good. I've been in uh, almost all of his podcasts. Yeah, yeah, she follows me on my podcast up. and listens to me doing Great. exactly yeah. that and translating translating amazing. this this uh, jargon that it, the scientists speak. I mean, come on, let's be serious. You know, it gives me a headache. Yeah. it really does. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, mathematics is a language unto itself that is insane to try and when you when someone says like what is gravity i could try to explain it to you but mostly the scientists will go we don't know 
<laughs> yeah, it's just like I get asked about people will email me all the time and ask me about the binary. I go, uh, yep. I really know nothing about it, and they're like, huh? See, I, I grew up on a Commodore 64 before it was out for the public because my friend's father worked for AT&T. So we were writing code. That's what we have to do. We used to have to sit there and write the ones and the zeros and the zeros and the ones to actually create what you see on the screen now. And that's where I grew up writing code. That's why I do. That's why I have my, my Apple uh, uh, MacBook Pro because mm -hmm. the, now it's all plug and play but we used to have to create everything and then put it into everything so binary code back when it was dos was what we worked with back when wow. i was a kid yeah. crazy right radio uh, shack uh, radio shack yeah <laughs> okay so let me ask you this now um i it, it, so at this point how many different things do you think have been um places have been already translated is it like 20 30 because i know you said there were several how many have they already discovered or different translations of the binary code well the the, the basic ones are, are seven locations okay. okay uh uh gary has i think two done i mean there's that's pretty uh maybe two maybe three i'm not sure yet uh the other thing is i lost a video with you guys What's that? You can't see us on the video. We, I got you. I can see you. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You missed. Well, I you lost did. you. Oh, it, it, you probably hit a uh, a window and slipped over to a different window. Because I, I can see you. We can see you fine. Good. Yeah. You just can't see us. You probably hit a. I've done that. I'm over here producing, and I lost the window for a minute. Went. Oh, did I just close the show? <laughs> I panicked. Yeah, that's what I thought. I did something like that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> So okay, let me ask you this: In the crowd, I have I have people in the on the audience asking, uh, is, "Do we know when the next book's going to come out?" You said Jim's working on a book. Are you currently working with him on a book as well? Are you guys uh, working independently? What are you doing? Working independently. I I'm going to write some stuff on my theories and that in there. Uh, Gary is working on, of course, the 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 main part of, of the book. He's writing. He's the lead author. There's no doubt about it. And. Uh, uh, I don't, I know people have asked him when the book's going to be out and he don't want to be rushed and I, I don't blame him. I don't, uh, he I wants don't, it I'm, right. I'm a three-time author and it gets done when it's done, right? Yeah, I, that's, I so that's his exact words. I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I publish through a publisher. I do my thing because it gets done when it gets done. I want to read you what uh, Josie said. She was supposed to be actually on here, uh, to be on here as a panelist. And she said, <clears throat> the coordinates also point to the Great Pyramid's dead center. If you're familiar with those, the Thoth stuff, the, the uh, Emerald Tablets of Thoth, which I have read, uh, he speaks of under, the underneath, the pathway underneath from the Queen's Chamber. He also speaks of the uh, Masters. Hold on, I have to bring this up. Hold on, I'm sorry. I hit the see more button and it's trying to have me not see more, but there we go. Okay, if you're familiar with the pathway underneath from the Queen's Chamber also speaks of the Masters of the Wisdom. He calls the the precisely one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, and nine. <clears throat> Another coincidence? Hmm. So what she's referring to there is uh, in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, and she knows that's why she said that because she knows I've read it, um, that it, he refers to the three, six, and nine, and he says that the center of the earth through from the pyramid, it's placed there, and they called that the navel of mm -hmm. the earth. And it was so it was placed where it was placed on purpose, 
and that and the, one of the binary codes that was translated tells you that exact spot dead center in the pyramid from the top down. And Thoth said that the way to God, the way to the one, is down yeah. through the spiral. That's back to the 369, the Taurus. And so right. the center core, where it reaches the zero point, is through the zero point is where uh, you go to the chamber where the one is, where the one true God is. <clears throat> and he said that the Atlanteans, which is another spot, Atlantis was pointed out by another code, that the Atlanteans were using the mathematics and they were tinkering with that and they stopped the earth from spinning and the whole mantle of the earth kept shifting and that's what froze them completely quickly, got them underwater and then they had to restart it and that's what got us uh, off kilter and wobbling where we're at now. I know that's way off of Rendell's from you know, Forest, but it's no, I'll tell you what, you're gonna time. love, you're gonna love book two. Good, yeah. and, and, and also you probably don't have a date for that because you're, you're the same. Right no, I tell you what, and it has everything you're talking about is a lot of it. And one of the things, like, uh, and, and and I'm put this in layman's term because I am a layman. Uh, uh, one of the intersection of in, in the uh, Giza is actually, uh, it points to a, right now, a hidden chamber that has not been discovered yet, but will be, we're sure of that. Mm -hmm. And we think inside there, uh, we're thinking we have a different, uh, Gary has a different uh, thought on it. He thinks that it contains uh, the capstone, the top of the pyramid, something from there that was somewhere. put in, yeah. So uh, there, I've also anyway, there, he has a lot more information about it. That's why I got to get you guys talking yeah. because I really like to have him be able to uh, explain yeah. what he wants to. Uh, we'll figure that out. We'll uh, see his we'll discoveries. See together. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That was so, phenomenal. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mandy. I talked over you. I apologize. That would be phenomenal for that to continue like that. And maybe we could get Jim back at some point as well and have him on as well. Yeah, I agree. Sure. Yeah, sure. This, is a, this is pretty informal and, uh, uh, yeah, that's the way. Yeah. That's the way we like to run our show. We're not. We're not like the guys at the networks where everybody's stiff. We're this is casual. We're all adults. If we slip out with a curse word here and there, we're not going to bleep you out or get mad. This is uh, you know we're we're adults here. How did I do tonight with swearing? Did I swear? No, you did not. Not, no, not at all. Oh. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I don't know that I've ever gotten through a show without swearing, and nobody did. I I drop out. No, uh, yeah, I, I I start using uh, you know the acronyms now. They help a little bit, like you know WTF and right. You know, I, <laughs> no, I which really helped with that, didn't it? Right. Yeah. WTF, yeah. 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 I do. I have another question, though. It's like, has have you had any other experiences, Jim? No. Anything else? No. No. I I think one's enough. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. That was, was sufficient. I don't want to have another experience. Right. Only yeah. one for me. Thanks. I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. And it's unfortunate nowadays uh, with all the drones. Uh, yeah. In the southwest of the United States, we have 50,000 drones a month being oh, flown, yeah. you know, and then all this uh, Elon Musk, that ain't helping either. Nope. <laughs> He's putting all those satellites up there. So, uh, you know, uh, but the rule of thumb is uh, pretty much if you see something blinking in the sky, it's probably an airplane or a drone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the other phenomena that, uh, and believe me, there is some. Uh, 
We're also going to write a, a, a theory on uh, the grace, by the way, uh, what, what they are. So nice. that's going to be in the book, too, because I started that. And, of course, I want Gary to, you know, go ahead and rubber stamp that. And, and it's not like, uh, you know, we're going to be able to. It's not like other books where you worry about saying too much what's in a book. I can never say what's too much in like in book one. I can never be on air that long, um, you know. So, uh, uh, but I do want uh, people to be informed and uh, uh, just to let you know differently than any other probably people that are in ufology today. Um, every sense. Uh, I went public after retirement from the Air Force. Uh, all my honorariums, all my uh, payments, all my book proceeds uh, from the first book and, and that, uh, all that has went to charity. I haven't kept that. Uh, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The reason is I figured what happened at Reynoldstrom was, well, it was around Christmas time. I figured it was a gift. And I just can't bring myself down to make money off of a gift. Well, I had, I, I did have another question, but I, I didn't want to get laughed at. Um, do you That's think good. that somehow you were chosen to do this? And I think the reason that I believe it is because given that you were a military guy and like I said, I, I read, I read some of your book, how professional and, you were by the book, you brought believability to your experience just by being you. You know, you no nonsense, you were able to interpret things based on your own experience. So I, I, I that's what I think. I think that somehow you were chosen because why didn't anybody else go up? You know what I mean? What? I mean yes, you couldn't do, they were frozen. Exactly. Right. Right. And, well, so I, that's why and look at and look at uh, Jim's character. He's very humble. Exactly. And he's not yeah. trying to profit off of it and take all that money. He could have sensationalized like everybody else did and said, "Yeah, yeah, that's what happened." And then he could have had a big movie. He could have had a, a you know a twenty book deal. That's right. And he could have been that's like right. um, Giorgio Zuccolos. <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 books coming out probably in December and that, and those are those type of books. Right. Well, what not you by, doing? Not by me. Uh, I tell you, one of the theories that uh, uh, I, I'm not sure how to answer. One of the theories that uh, we well, it wasn't even a theory. It's a discussion that Gary and I had. And okay, so if we assume that they are uh, interdimensional travelers, time travelers, mm -hmm. uh, they can come back to any point in time they want, and they can yeah. tweak anything they want. And they choose anything. And we, they want. believe me, whatever they're tweaking, it's not for us. It's for them. Right. <laughs> it's not I for us. <laughs> they want yeah. to survive They're and that's a back. complete <laughs> other rabbit hole too because that yeah, that's a rabbit hole you got war theory that's going on yeah yeah so uh yeah it's and uh i think it's uh they could pick and choose anywhere anytime they wanted to go and that's where they wanted to go is uh reynolds was that time i well, mean to, to back up what tracy was saying yes. if you could go back in time and pinpoint one particular place where one particular person is going to be, you wouldn't right. randomly show up somewhere and go, there's a bloke, right? You're going to say, we need exactly. to get this information to a particular person because there's a reason that that information is going to resonate in a way that they want it to. So either yeah. way, I mean, if it is a temporal thing and they were from the future, 
I would say to you, Jim, you were chosen because right. of who well, you are. Well, maybe, well, maybe the book two is is the reason why it happened. Right. The right. book two is supposed to be written. Who knows? Well, you have a level of humility, maybe. and you you just have this level of responsibility, in, in like uh, like Leo said, in your character that you want things to be right from what you experienced. Not everybody's like that, Jim. So I, I, hey, I, I applaud your effort. I it's, could write, I tell you what, Mandy, I could write, uh, I could write a book and all the stuff I was offered. <laughs> oh, I bet. I mean, uh, everything for full disability from the VA. Can you believe that one? Uh, wow. Yeah. And you go, what? What about the guys that actually deserve it? Like, you know, like missing limbs and, you know, right? traumatic brain injury. And, and the, but this is how far they'll go to. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, there's, there's money no, I can't be. I can't be bought. I mean, uh, right. I tell you what, I, I I'm not rich, but I, I I'm okay uh, financially. You know, I got retirement checks and stuff like that. But I don't. Uh, you know, I don't need it. <laughs> See, and you're not greedy, so that's good. You're in service to others, exactly. and that's what you've done your whole life. You joined the Air Force. You're in service to your country. And, and since then, you've tried to make sure to stay humble and keep the message simple, you know, like the KISS method, right? Keep it simple, stupid. You're like, it's not, that's well, not what happened. That's a lot. That's the first thing you said leaving. when we got you on air. First thing you said was it's... a lot of that's crap that they say that happened there. Yeah, but I don't think it's me being humble. I just don't, uh, um, I don't think Rendlesham is about any individual. I think it's about the binary code. That's, that's all it's about. Spoken as a pious man. <laughs> Very humble to you. A humble person would say exactly what you're saying. You know that, right, Jim? <laughs> I'm not trying to be humble. I'm not. I'm just telling you what I think. Right. And I think that's I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. And it's enough Agreed. It's enough that Gary has to produce, uh, produce book two for sure. And I'll be honest with you, there's more. There's He's only uh, researched two or three sites, so... Uh, there's going to be more because for some reason, one of the impressions I got <clears throat> is that one in China is really special. And I don't, that's the only uh, for impression. Oh boy. It, it, who knows when, if we'll ever see that, right? I know, I know. I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, maybe relations get a little bit better there. At least we can get a, maybe a permit or something, you know, right? get there and, I want to uh, see but what they you know, it's a religious area. It's but yeah. all the sites, uh, with the exception of, uh, and it's debatable in Sedona, by the way, but right. and in high result, they're not by pyramids. I rest them by pyramids, right? Uh, which uh, tells you that this they they probably been influencing things for years. And anybody thinks that you know, uh, uh, Gary had brought this up to me, and I agree with him. He says, do you really think that, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago, some, you know, a bunch of uh, people built those pyramids down to the, and here's the thing uh, with, uh, for the GPS coordinates, uh, it was in the, in the binary, that was only uh, with Google Earth for a period to discover it for three years. And then yeah. they changed the maps. So, <laughs> yeah, so he had a window that was really short. And just happened to hit it. I mean, uh, so is that a, by chance or is that by design? Well, and if you look at the, at the longitude and latitude no, of the pyramid, 
the the latitude of the wow. pyramid is the speed of uh, light uh, in, yes. in meters per second. Yes. Yeah, you know, he's also going to go into the, and I don't know what they call it. What happens every twenty five thousand years? Uh, the whatever that's called, with the time. Uh, Are you talking about the different uh, cycles? Yes. Uh, Gary's Gary goes in that, and that's key to it too. Yep, the planetary so. cycle, like something comes closer. Every well, every, yeah, everything, everything cyclical. The entire the entire universe is completely cyclical. Everything happens right. at the exact same time. That's why the guys over in Central America and South America were able to, um, you know, get that calendar that ran for thirty six thousand years, because it runs right. in, a, in a complete cycle, a one hundred percent accurate cycle. The entire uh, universe. Oh, does. I wonder if there's anything going on in that in that binary that links to the 21st of December this year when all the planets are in alignment well, on this. What do you reckon, Daz? I, I reckon I, probably will lie in the code within the code. There is a lot to decipher still in that, and it'll be interesting to see what Gary comes up with, to be honest. Mm -hmm. we put a, well, I put a post out into the group and asked about what generally our members thought about it and the most common answer that came up with all these places seem to indicate vortices where things can actually vanish disappear um the bermuda triangle that sort of thing and that i found that really quite interesting and maybe that, that possibly things were being used as a way to travel um and i found that really interesting because there are a you lot of sites so, who am I doing? Is that grass? I can't see yes. who this is. Is that grass? Yes, that was the grasshopper speaking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I know I shortened your name already. Uh, <laughs> one of, one of, one of the, the working theories that we have is, uh, and we believe this, as a matter of fact, we have scientists actually back this up. So, uh, these coordinate sites are weak areas within the gravitational force of the planet. And so, it ties in exactly what you're saying. Uh, and uh, we think that makes it uh, easier or even possible for them to actually uh, uh, be able to uh, uh, travel and into these different sites because the gravity is weaker. Mm -hmm. And uh, we think that's uh, uh, not by chance. We think that that is by design as well. And it ties into what you were saying just uh, earlier. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the, a lot of that has, has to do with, um, you know, what, what we would say in lay terms is the, is the Einstein-Rosen bridge, uh, which is, that is a wormhole that you would travel from here to somewhere else uh, instantaneously or very quickly. Um, and that, see, that goes to the theory of Stargate, the movie and the series, with the zero point energy. And what they had to control the wormhole was what they called a ZPM, a zero point modulator. Okay, and that whole theory for that whole movie and everything came from Thoth, which is what Tracy or what uh, uh, Josie was talking about before. And mm -hmm. they've discovered now that, um, you know, that where the Bermuda Triangle is, that there is a pyramid down there in the water. And it, uh, in the Law of One, Raw back in 1984 or 82, 81 at that time, said that there was a pyramid down there. We didn't discover that until 2015. They said that the pyramid, when you put the capstone on it, it turns on, and above the capstone, in the air, it creates a wormhole to travel f to different places. And the one down the Bermuda Triangle and the one over in the uh, Dragon Triangle in uh, Japan, there's a pyramid there, too, they also discovered in 2016. 
So he, they claimed, Raw claimed that those were still active, and that's why planes and boats and things disappear in those areas because they're actually traveling to someplace else. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Carl Satan also used the uh, same theories in the movie Contact. Yes. And I, I read the book Contact, and it was like, Leo, what you were saying, I was like, man, because there was so much more in the book than there was in the movie. And it was like, it was no coincidence that their machine in the movie was at the one that worked was actually in Japan. Well, in the sea of Japan. And it was like fascinating stuff. If if you look at, you go back in time (laughs) to um, that, what was that UFO movie in the 70s where they went up on the big mountaintop? And um, it was, what was that? I can't think of the name of it now, but. It was the yeah, it was a UFO, one of the biggest UFO movies, and and everybody was trying to go to that place, the plateau in in, uh, in Arizona, New oh, Mexico. Oh, Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Thank you. The My the favorite. music that they used in there, the dun, 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 yes. that's that's the three, six, and nine. That's the harmonics yeah. yes. of the Taurus. Wow. Um, that was done on purpose, as a matter of fact. In that movie, it was put in there. So that's a real tone that is like what would be considered the charm of making. And that is what is what opens the wormhole. That's why they were able to travel there. They picked that spot in the movie wow. and made that whole thing because of that theory. And Carl Sagan was involved with that. Correct. Yeah. One yeah, thing in the book. Nick was in it. Yeah. <laughs> One thing in the book that really stood out to me, if I don't, if you don't mind me asking, um, was the experience of Lieutenant Bonnie Tamplin. And I was just wondering when you actually heard about that, Jim. Because out of the two of you, I imagine, just reading like most of the front of the book at this point, she's the only one that came close contact with something and it completely shut her vehicle down and it frightened the life out of her to the point where she ended up being stationed somewhere completely different. When did you hear about Bonnie Tamplin's experience? Uh, let's see, what was the story we were told? Uh... At the time, uh, uh, something happened in her personal life and she had a breakdown. You know, uh, wow. that's the way it would have been told to, I mean, it's none of our business, the medical information, you know, what was going yeah. on. So, uh, yeah, but all that's true as far as uh, she was relieved of duty, she was uh, uh, discharged, not discharged, but uh, transferred, I think, within about four months. Uh, I did a, I did a, uh, retirement ceremony uh i was a color guard uh and she was the officer in charge and i think that was in may of uh, 1981 and i can't remember it was one of the raf bases that they had all the americans come back and anyway uh, we were part of the color guard and uh i think bonnie left uh probably a couple weeks after that uh and i think i don't know i think she went to italy oh i'm not sure aviano or something like that that's all I know did, about it. Yeah. Did it, when you heard about what she'd experienced, did that give you any validation to what you'd actually experienced yourself? Uh, I didn't need validation. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, no. Uh, yeah. The only reason I was asking is because obviously you, you went through a few little moments in your part of the narrative wrote um, where you felt a little bit like your sanity could have been in question given the incident that you'd you'd experienced and you went out and you used the plaster of paris to create your own evidence to give you that peace of mind um do you still have right. those 
No, I I actually thought about that with Tampa, you know, recently in the last few years. But at the time, they didn't tell us all the stuff exactly what happened. So no. it's mm -hmm. always the Air Force is so segregated, it's kind of compartmentalized. I mean, uh, it's well, that's why Halt didn't know certain things. You know, yeah. he didn't find them out. It's not because we're trying to keep stuff from Halt. <laughs> It's just that we're very compartmentalized. And I was fortunate. I had that top secret clearance. And uh, matter of fact, the only security policeman, I think, or one of eight, I think it was at the time at the base. And I got promoted. Then I did the NCO IC of uh, uh, plans and programs. And so I wrote all the defense plans and everything else. And during wow. the course of, yeah, well, yeah, I did all the base security, uh, the forward operating locations in Germany and uh, uh, the uh, C3 facilities, uh, Marshall Heath, 